Happy New Year, Quiet Rebels. Oh my goodness, I am so, so honored that you have chosen my voice and my guest's voice to grace your earbuds today. This is our first episode of 2021, and I was debating on which kind of episode to put out there. And I really love this conversation I had with my special guest because we actually talk about how you can actually take time off in your business with that, with it actually helping your not just your productivity, but your profitability as well and how it all came to be and really how we can make this work. Because I don't know about you, but when I took some time off for the holidays, it really helped me center myself to know what's really important to me. And I realize now more than ever, you'll find in the next episode, if if you're listening to these in chronological order, but in the next episode, I will be doing a behind the scenes about my reconnection to my cultural roots. So that was quite the journey that I've been on over the last couple of months, but especially over the holidays. And you'll understand why in that episode. But anyhow, I've really learned through this time off what's really important and what's really going to grace my life this year. And I really wanted to extend that to you to really give you that space to think about what it is you actually want out of your business? What kind of lifestyle do you want it to fuel? And I couldn't think of anyone better than our amazing guest, Sage Polaris, to speak with us today. So before we get into today's interview, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by my ultimate podcast pitching workshop. Now, if you have listened to a podcast interview before where I've talked about podcast guesting, I've talked about pitching, or maybe you attended a private workshop that I've run exclusively for particular programs and courses, you're probably wondering, but making what makes this one different, right? So this one is all about how you can send fewer pitches, but actually land more interview spots and develop those lasting relationships with the host. And this is never seen before content outside of my one-on-one client work. So I've never shared these processes in my previous courses and I've never shared it in other workshops or interviews yet. So I'm super excited to make this an exclusive opportunity for those who would like to attend this workshop. So it's happening live on the 28th of January, 2021. But just in case you're listening to this after that date, you can still actually access it. But This is a timely thing because at the time of this episode being released, I do have an early bird offer. So all you need to do is head to pitchworkshop.makeathan.com or head to the link in the show notes where you can find what that early bird offer is and what that includes. And I am so excited to be running this workshop live and to have it available all year round as well after that, because I realized that there are some things that actually... I haven't shared all year round. If not, then they've kind of been in private quarters. So this is a really special time really to create this workshop. And I'm super excited to support you further in your podcast guesting journey. So head on over again to pitchworkshop.makeathan.com or head to the link in the show notes where you can get access to your early bed tickets. Hopefully, fingers crossed, if you are listening to this before the early bed ends. But either way, this is an incredible workshop that I'm super excited to bring to you. So I hope you join me there. Alrighty, back to the show. Hello, my lovelies. This is May Kay Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. 
This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my wonderful Quiet Rebels. I am so excited that you decided to tune in today because I have a very special guest who has created this reality for herself that for many of us seems like a distant dream. (laughs) But she has been incredibly gracious to come onto the show today to share with us how to take four months off in your business and double your revenue in the meantime. So I'm super excited to bring on the conscious launch strategist, Sage Polaris. So Sage, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. Oh, my pleasure, McKay. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to play and join the pantheon of incredible guests that you have had on your show. (laughs) Thank you so much. So Sage, of course, we all want to know how you do the four months off in business, but I know that very recently you made the decision to change your title from launch strategist to conscious launch strategist. And I know a little bit of the behind the scenes of that uh, when you first made the decision, but I'd love for you to share with the audience why that has been so integral for you. Yeah, it's a big step for me and it actually comes partially from the pandemic. So when the pandemic started, it's funny because Maykay and I were together. We were in San Diego, wildly enough. And I was literally getting ready to speak on stage that um, the Friday that we all, like all our phones in the audience started ringing and people were like, for me, it was like your family member's stuff is canceled. We're closing this, we're closing that. Like my phone is ringing and I'm literally getting ready to walk and speak onto stage and speak in front of 150 of my peers. And I'm like, what is my life right now? Um, but it was actually a really good thing for me. And I'll talk about the the title in a minute. But what happened in that moment of things being canceled, I was speaking in San Diego. I had already finished a one-week retreat by the time I saw you, May Kay, at the 150-person event, which is called TCC IRL. I highly recommend it. They're Kieran yes. Rob are amazing. Absolutely. So I'm there. I had already finished a one-week retreat with my business partner, my then business partner, Tarzan Kay. And then I go and speak in front of 150 people after that one-week retreat. And then I'm also booked to go to Rhode Island, Morocco, go speak on all these stages. That was going to be my 2020. And I was so excited about it. And at the same time, feeling a lot of anxiety. Like, copious amounts of anxiety before the the um, pandemic even hit and never having experienced that in my life. I'm not going to go down the yellow brick road of that whole story. I will just say it was my hormones is what I found out later. Um, so I had to cancel all these events and that was a good thing. 
because then I had to also think, how am I going to build my business now? Because my business this year was going to be built off of speaking on stages. Mm. So I was at this crossroads of like, thank goodness. I loved all of the things I was going to do in 2020. And now I had an excuse to cancel them all. <laughs> Isn't that funny, right? Like, yes. Who would have thought like you get the chance of a lifetime and you're so grateful it got canceled. That's where mm, I was. Interesting. It was fascinating. And so I had time. I had time to figure out who I wanted to be. I had time to figure out what my business model was going to be because the most beautiful thing out of all the issues that I had with my hormones and the anxiety that then turned into depression, which by the way, this is the first time I'm ever talking publicly about this, but I'm on the other side of it. So I can, mm, Thank you. <laughs> um, on the other side of that, I finally realized like, oh, actually like that was not what I was meant to be doing. And it kind of just got slammed in my face. Like, oh my gosh, this is not it. This is not like you thought you had your business model figured out, but this isn't it. So as I was making that change, I was realizing what did I want? There were two things that I wanted in that moment of being really sick, honestly. Um, Actually, maybe three. I wanted my family. I wanted clients who made me feel better every time I turned on Zoom. And surprisingly, this is the weird part. I did not want to write. Like my brain was shut down from it. I couldn't write. Never had writer's block in my entire life. I wouldn't even call this writer's block. My brain was so foggy from the hormone issues that I could not write. So a couple people noticed and were like, hey, I've noticed you haven't been on social media. And I was in so much shame. I couldn't even talk about it. I was like, I'm, I'm a mess right now and I'm afraid to tell anybody. So that's where I was. Um, and so I say that because it gives me a level of empathy that I've never had before because I've never experienced this before in my life. The third thing that I really wanted was to coach. I still wanted to coach and I got to, cause I already had my mastermind in place. It felt, there were a couple things that felt off about it in the sense that it's like, I know what to tell you to do to grow your business right now, but I'm not doing that, but that's okay. Like just make peace with it. Because there was something there for me. Every time I showed up and I was in Zoom and there were 20 faces looking back at me and I was doing hot seats, I could still do it. I couldn't write, but I could coach. (laughs) And it was amazing. It was like, it fed my soul, you know? And my work always has fed my soul, but on a different level now. Because there's only like a couple places I can actually show up and feel comfortable. And that was one of them. So it was really powerful transition. And the reason I chose Conscious Launch Strategist is because I realized that I only wanted to give people strategies that felt good to them and was not like a one-size-fits-all rope formula for this is how you build your business, because that's not true. That doesn't take pandemics into account. That doesn't take life into account in general. And suddenly, like, I just had this moment of like, okay, this is it. Like, I don't want to just be a launch strategist. I want to be a conscious launch strategist that gives people mindful tools that ideally won't stress them out. Like, granted, your first launch will be stressful, but you got to rip the Band-Aid off, right? Like, we all do. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, you're facing so many fears. I'm sure, May you've gone, we all go through that journey. It looks slightly different for each of us. 
so that's how I got to conscious launch, launch strategist. I wanted to start taking into account the human being behind the marketing at a deeper level than I ever have before. And that's what this year has been for me. And it's been incredible. Wow. <laughs> Who would have thought that the pandemic would have almost created an opportunity for us to really take a deep look inward into how we truly want to move forward in multiple areas of our lives, whether it's our business, our personal life, our health. And um, yeah, I can just feel the joy radiating, radiating off of you. <laughs> it's like no one can see it, but I can because I can see Sage on Zoom right now. <laughs> oh, I'm so, I'm just so grateful for you to sharing that story, um, especially um, kind of like the turmoil that you had to go through in order to get there as well. I don't think many people speak about that enough. Yeah, we don't want to show that in the public eye. And here's my thing. I don't remember who said this. Like, I can show you my scars, but I won't show you my wounds. I'm mm. very much that type of person. Yeah. So now that it's a scar, or I wouldn't even call it a scar anymore, I'm so quick to bounce back from things once I do get through it, um, that I don't even feel scarred by it at this point. I feel like it's actually a part, an essential part of my growth um, to go through that experience of anxiety and depression. And the reason I can say that is like right now, I happen to be working with a client who teaches yoga mindfulness to kids. And I told her, I was like, and she has, she's open publicly talks about her own anxiety journey. And I told her like, I can serve your audience better than I could have a year ago now based on what I've gone through. Mm -hmm. So it makes it this much more powerful. Like when you start to see what seemed to be your downfall as your greatest superpower, then things get really awesome. Yes. <laughs> things do get really awesome. Oh my goodness. Um, so what I love is that not only do you apply this consciousness to the people that you, you work with, but also to yourself. And we've had this conversation before about how many people don't give themselves permission to take time off. So I am so curious, how did it start for you to start making space in your calendar every year, which totals up to four months off? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation. So I'm my, in my fifth year in a row of taking four months off. It's so interesting because this year was the least strategic of mm -hmm. me taking time off. So it kind of, I'll, I'll tell the pandemic version of taking time off and also the regular version of taking time okay. off. <laughs> the non-pandemic version. <laughs> the non-pandemic version. Okay. Um, so the pandemic version was, I was in San Diego. I spoke on stage on a Friday. I was supposed to stay one more night and hang out with everybody at the conference on Saturday. And I just had this calling to go home. Um, and I got in my car that Friday night and I drove two hours from San Diego to LA. I got home and it was like, okay, the kids aren't going to school for two weeks. That's what they told everybody because they didn't want people to panic. I know they said two weeks knowing that was not what was going to happen. 
So I got home and I became like a homeschooling mom and I did the bare essentials in my business. And I really took, uh, I haven't sat down and calculated how much time, but besides my coaching calls, I probably took two to three months off back to back. And I don't usually do that. Um, because I needed time to heal. I needed time to figure out what was going on. Cause at that time I had not identified my hormones as being the problem. Um, so I needed all this time to heal. Um, and so I just took it. I didn't ask anybody for permission to do it. I just followed kind of like, not necessarily the joy of my children, but like the curiosity of being with my children, um, in a way that I had not been with them for that block of time. And so I focused on them. Um, and then around June, uh, July, things started to feel normal again for me. I got on the right um, support medications. I got all the right things. Um, and I could write again. So I was like, okay, like my brain is firing back on. So what do I want this to look like? And I went back to what was the thing that gave me joy even at my lowest point, And that was coaching. So I relaunched the mastermind. Um, and as I relaunched the mastermind, I maintained, and this is what I do in a regular year for anybody who's thinking about doing this for your business. This is how I take time off in around July, August, as I was opening the mastermind back up, members were coming in. I started taking one week off again every month. And that's what I do in a regular year. I take one week off every month and then one month off. And sometimes I break up that one month into two week chunks. And then uh, that's kind of my formula for making sure that I take the time off. And usually it's the last week of the month, just for simplicity's sake, for me, my team, my sanity, like all that good stuff. <laughs> um, so in a regular year, if you take one week off every month and then you take one month off, that totals to four months. So it's not like I typically take a big break. And that's not what I want. So as you're thinking about taking time off in your own business, as you're listening to this, you definitely want to think about like, what is it you actually want? Because what Sage is doing sounds great and all, but what do you want? Um, and before I started, and now I've consistently done that, like I said, for five years, I've taken at least four months off. This year, if I sit down and calculate it, I'll probably take more like six months off because I took that big block right, right as the pandemic happened. Um, and I already have my two weeks in November I'm taking off, my two weeks in December plus my one week a month. So that's why I'm like roughly six months somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like internal like month math in your head. <laughs> totally. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's good, right? And before that, though, I will say I didn't come out of the business womb being like, I'm going to do this great system of taking time off. I'm eight years deep into my business. So those first few years, it was like fun Fridays once a month. And that was mm. it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So start somewhere, start small. And over time, you'll stretch that time off muscle. Yes, totally agree. And um, so I'm, I'm curious about a lot of things, but I think one thing that jumped out is you said just now that the first couple of years of the so with, if my math is correct, if you've been doing this for five years and you've been eight, that means the first three years you had these like fun Fridays. So what, what caused that shift to do just fun Fridays once a month to suddenly four months off in total a year? 
Yeah, it was my project manager. So, you know, year one in my business was just like, I remember doing a lot of in-person networking, in-person business. Then I joined B-School year two of my business. And when I joined B-School year two, I started hosting like in-person networking just for people in B-School here in LA because we have a huge enclave of people who are Mm -hmm. in that program, right? So kind of started stepping into leadership in that way, like people seeing me as the leader because I'm gathering everyone. And we would always do it during the week. So it would be like on a Friday, typically. And it just felt so freeing to me to have that one, at least one day a month where even if I was getting together with business owners, we were talking about life. We weren't necessarily like sitting down and like learning things from each other. We were just hanging out. We would go to different rooftop bars in downtown LA and hang. Um, So that gave me a taste of like reclaiming my weekdays. Right. And then um, I sat down with my project. So year two of my business was really interesting. I'm so glad you asked this, May Kay, because year two, so many of my um, peers were launching courses and trying to get out of client work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, in my head, I definitely fell into that trap for a hot minute where I was like, I'm going to burn down my business, my client business, and just go launch a course, which we all go through that evolution. Like if you are in that place or have been in that place, I hear you. Um, (laughs) It's just a natural evolution. But the problem that I started to see in year three of my business was the course didn't fly off the shelves like I thought it would because I hadn't Mm -hmm. established my brand properly as an, like, I hate the word authority, but like as a leader. Mm. Um, and so when that happened, I did something that I didn't see any of my peers doing. I went back to client work wholeheartedly. Um, I didn't sit in heartbreak for very long about the course. And the thing that I did that I didn't see my peers doing, I hired a project manager year three and she came in, she whipped my private client work into shape. At the same time, I came to her and said, I want more time off. How can we do this? I have this grandiose idea of like taking every other Friday off per month. And she's like, that is way too complicated, Sage. You need to take one week off every month and just leave it at that. So she was the Kim Kaloka was the brilliant woman who told me what to do. <laughs> so I am not the smartest person in the room, but I will hire that person. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I need like a whoop a whoop ass as well. <laughs> so if my assistant is listening to this, step into that role, my love. <laughs> yeah, give me rules and I will follow them. Yeah. Because your rules are smarter than mine. <laughs> She, she actually already does. So shout out Annie. Thank you for thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So so I'm curious to hear. So when you decided to take you know a week off every month, um, what was it like for you um, when it came to signing on client projects? So um, as somebody who like I raise my hand, I used to be a copywriter, but I don't identify as that anymore. But um, copy projects, they can span for weeks at a time. So I'm curious how you made that work, because I'm hearing this question in, uh, you know, from my audience, kind of like, okay, but how do you make that work? Because if you take one week off, then that means less opportunity to take sales calls and to fulfill on the work that's already been signed on. So 
How did you make that work? Uh, That's such a great question. So I would book clients typically for like between two and six weeks at a time. And the way I would do it is I would have sales calls and I would say, okay, you can start with me on X date. And of course, that date was never on the week off, right? Mm -hmm. So I could control our project start date. That's the first place to start. Like if Mm -hmm. you are not setting the project start date for your client and you're bending to their will, please stop. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love how you just said that. Just just stop. Just stop. Like, let's keep this simple. Um, so first of all, don't bend to the will. You set the project start date. When you're on that sales call, they do not need to know you were taking a week off. Don't ever tell your clients how much time you take off because they will get scared and they will run away. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't want them to do that. But what you do is, okay, the project start date is X, but you're going to get started right away because as soon as you send me the payment, I'm sending you intake forms. So the truth is I give them homework. I make them busy until I'm ready to work. Mm, so smart okay yes yes so good and that week of not having sales calls um you know I don't know I just you can get those sales calls to happen the three weeks that you're available and if that doesn't work for them they're not the right client for you anyways Mm. in my personal opinion take it or leave it yes very true very true (laughs) Okay. Um, okay. I'm just trying to think. Are there any more questions around taking form? Oh, okay. So what do you do during your time off? <laughs> I love this question. Because, yeah, okay. The, like, I didn't have real um, hobbies until this year, honestly. If I'm being honest, like, sometimes taking that week off meant I just didn't have any client calls, but I still wanted to work on my own projects. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I truly understand that. (laughs) Like I was too in love. It's like, I think of my business in the beginning, like the first, you know, three, four, five, even up to year six, maybe even years. No, like up to year five and six, I would say it was my lover. It's like, oh, we get to go have a tryst for a week. Me and my lover get to hang out Um, because I loved my business so much. And I would just like go secretly work on things that would help me market my business usually. Um, And then something shifted, definitely a bigger shift happened in the pandemic where it was like, I truly wanted to walk away. But I would say around year five and six, I started to fall back in love with traveling. My kids were old enough for that. um, And they weren't previously, they were too young. Like I had no business going, I had no business, let's just say going anywhere with these young children, in my opinion, some people like that. It's not for me. Um, so they started a little older. And so I started like spring break was like, yep, I'm going on a vacation. And I kind of set my rule to like around year five, six, every time I go for that week off, if I'm on vacation or I'm, yeah, mostly if I'm on vacation, I wouldn't bring my laptop. That was my new rule. Like no more laptop on vacation with me, not allowed. Um, if I want to break my own rule, I can, I've only broken it once. and. that's been really interesting because then it got me to be present in the environment where I was at. Right. And I didn't feel like I needed to be secretly working on marketing projects anymore because the business was just kind of flowing and I didn't need those things. So keep in mind, this is an evolution, right? Like 
you have to each step of the way figure out what actually works for your business. So for me, I'm definitely at the space where I have these big breakthrough aha ideas where I'm gone when I'm gone for that week. Or also I've noticed, but I don't feel like I have to go write them down or act on them because uh, if they're meant to be, they will follow me home. <laughs> oh, they're like little, little, the idea, little fairies that they could like, continue following you. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> yes, the fairies will stay if they're meant to stay and if I want to make them welcome. Um, so there was that, you know, or maybe I get ideas for other people too. That happens to me a lot. Um, and then I go share it with them and their whole life has changed. And that makes me happy too. Um, <laughs> But the other thing about that week off is like really uh, just steeping in my environment. That's so important for me. Um, So I've gone to I'm looking at a picture when I went to Hawaii for a week, reconnected with some old friends, um, gone to Channel Islands, which is not far from L.A. Most people go to a different island. I wanted to go to that one. Um, Spent time in San Francisco. Uh, We went to Canada once. Yeah, once for that that spring break week that we have here in March was like my time to really go adventure, um, go deep on an adventure and just be really present with it. So that's kind of the things I've been up to. When I staycation, though, I read books and recently have gotten into embroidery, which is something I never thought I would say. Oh, um, love it. I, yeah, and I really love my garden. My house is wrapped in an organic garden, and mm. I am becoming a bit of a, I don't know, city farmer. Let's call it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Absolutely love that. I just, I don't know, just when you speak, it's just filled with so much ease, and it's clear that it's just like it's weaved into every part of your life. And uh, I can see why now that you do take these four months off because I took one week off at the beginning of August and that was my first time off that I've had since the pandemic started in March like after the event we went to together and oh my god I was like wow this is what it's like to have time off (laughs) it's just like I genuinely forgot what it was because I just felt like I was hustling and hustling and hustling Um, but that week off I spent every day reconnecting with a family member that I had just become a bit distanced from because I was working all the time. And um, I think recently as well. So hashtag TMI, especially for the men listening to this podcast. Uh, you may want to skip this next minute. But um, when when you said taking off the last week of um, the month to make it easier in my mind where I immediately went to it's like oh yeah I want to take that week off because that's when my menstrual cycle starts <laughs> you know and my energy drops like no tomorrow and sometimes I faint so it's like I can't work <laughs> on on the first two days during that that period which is why um, I make sure that I pick my VIP days when I'm on for five hours for that day to yeah. um, just <laughs> like they are picked on days outside of that. <laughs> yeah, we really women, um, I'm speaking directly to you and the men who love their women need <laughs> to think about this like Okay, I'll do a brief synopsis of what Kate Northrup teaches, but you should go read her book, Do Less, because, hey, I'm so happy you opened up this conversation. Mm -hmm. By the way, if you hear 
little noise in the background is not my stomach or like <laughs> it's my child. He just came in and out. Um, he was, but he's still laying on the bed. He skipped into the room and my face just like, oh, I just started grinning. So like from cheek to cheek, that was just so cute. Just skipped in and gave me a hug. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And now he's laying in the bed. He wants to cuddle and he knows I will with him after we're done. Um, so women and the men who love them, let's talk about the Kate Northrop do less, um, which in a nutshell, she says, like, pay attention to your cycles, build your business based off your cycles which might sound like a lot to do, um, but like knowing your follicular, luteal, menstrual, and I'm forgetting one, is really important um, to be aware of your energy as you create. Because the difference for me is that um, I create more in a shorter amount of time. So like, you know, a lot of people might think, wait, if I don't work for one week every month, how will my business, like, how will I get things done? Mm. Um, For one, check into your cycles. That's one piece of it. For two, something I said earlier was really important. Everybody else was creating a course and I hired a project manager. So that is what I did. I got the support in my business to allow me to, when I sit down and work, get more done than the average human being. Because it's, first of all, it's not just me. And second of all, I'm working with the cycles. You know, there's a lot of things that can make you more, I hate to use the word productive, efficient, like all those kind of aggressive words, but the truth Mm -hmm. is it's just like being more in your flow. Um, You know, remembering to light the abundance candle before I sat down and recorded this podcast with May Kay was important to me because that means I'm present and I'm thinking about my environment before I get into a conversation. Those little changes in the way that you show up, people think that they're like, I don't know, hard to do. There's a lot of things people think about it, but I think they're important practices. Hmm. Totally agree. And while I didn't light a candle, um, I showed Sage, um, you know, on our Zoom video that I have this lamp. It's a crystal lamp and um, it has, uh, what's it called? It's a clear quartz and it's a crystal for positivity. So I light that every time I jump on a call with somebody because I want to just like have that at my side, knowing that I'm in a good place to show up completely presently. Um, So I love that you have those little rituals, um, you know, around how you show up in a given day as well. And I like, while I haven't read the book, do less, um, but I will now. (laughs) You should order that. Um, Yeah. I, I have noticed a big difference when you start to honor your energetic cycles whether whether or not you're a female you do have cycles of energy whether it's per day a week or like times in a month there are highs and lows and to really align your business activities around that can really help you tap into flow literally (laughs) yeah it's so good and if anybody's listening and kind of rolling their eyes like not another woo chick like why do I need to listen to this yes another one (laughs) Another one. Um, There's neuroscience that backs all of this. If you really want the research and the data, if you're a very analytical person, I talk about it in the lexicon in terms of, you know, healing and um, all of that. But you can totally go find the research that backs all of this. Um, I, I, I just don't speak about it using that lexicon 
And I don't want to, I don't want people to stop themselves from looking into these things just because Mm -hmm. they feel like it's not aligned for them spiritually. Mm -hmm. You choose how you want to approach this, but find a way to approach this because it's an important conversation. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so glad that we touched on this. And so on kind of like, it's kind of like the second part of the conversation, but it's more like a third or a quarter now, Um, because would you, what would you say about taking those four months off in your business? How has that helped you to double your revenue? Is it the fact that you're able to get so much done um, during those peaks, during those months where you are working? I mean, how does that tie in for you? Yes. So, um, In terms of being able to, I mean, okay, let me just say, like, at the time of recording this in 2020, I'm at multiple six figures in my business, and I'm so grateful to be at this place in my business. I am looking to double that again. Um, This, by the end of 2021, I'm looking to double this again. So how am I doing that, right? That that is the million dollar question, actually. (laughs) Um, So... Each year, it's been different stages, right? Like in the beginning, it was figuring out how to scale private client work, something people don't ever talk about, which I knew was so important for me because everyone wants to talk about scaling with a course. And I love that conversation. I think it's an important conversation when you're at the right stage in your business. When you try to have that conversation too soon, that's when you flop. You wonder why it it failed, like why you felt like your launch was a fail, even though I don't probably agree with you. You learned a lot of lessons, hopefully. That's the only way you can fail is if you don't learn from it. Um, So in the beginning, I think, you know, as service providers, what was important for me for doubling the revenue was how can I scale this private client work? Believe it or not, private client work can be just as enjoyable, if not for me, more enjoyable because I'm managing uh, 19 clients a year in my scaled private client work versus managing 100 in a course right? Mm-hmm. Like a hundred students. So that was an important conversation in the beginning for me about doubling revenue. Um, as I got deeper into my business, it was understanding the, what I call the profit sweet spots, right? So in the beginning, 89% of my profits were coming from working with private clients. I had a little bit of money coming from affiliate stuff, a little bit of money coming from courses, really nothing to write home about. Um, but I was learning in those new profit generators. Like I was learning about these new streams of how to bring that money into my business. Slowly turning the dial down. Don't flop straight from, okay, I'm going to go 89% client work to 100% coursework. Like that's where the (laughs) the mismatch happens, right? And we're crying into our pillows because we're so sad it didn't work and our poor partners have to hear about it. (laughs) What we're doing anyways. Been there. (laughs) Yes. I'll go through this evolution. Okay, so you're done crying on the pillow. You're going to pick yourself back up. And you're like, okay, I'm going to scale this private client work. Um, and then slowly move into these other models, right? So for me, I figured out that I could generate the most revenue by speaking on stages. So as I mentioned earlier, get on more stages. That was the answer for me. Um, which led me to my first multiple six-figure launch, um, speaking from the stage, launching a mastermind last fall uh, in Niagara Falls. So that was amazing. 
But then the pandemic pulled the rug out from underneath that business plan. So now it's like, well, what are you going to do next, Sage? I say, great question. Um, so now I'm at a place where I take my ideal right now is to work with a small handful of private clients right now. It's one person, maybe two, I'm getting ready to sign that second person. Mm. Um, for those people, they obviously pay me a handsome fee to take care of writing their copy for their launch, um, their launch strategy. Uh, I do so much more. Like I keep a keen eye on their audience, how to build that. I'm looking at their offers, how to build upon that. And I'm looking at their copy. I think of that as a pyramid, by the way, the audience at the bottom, the offer in the middle and the copy at the top. So the copy is actually the least important work that I'm doing with them. They don't know Mm -hmm. that because they think I'm just solving the copy problem, but then I come in and solve (laughs) all these other things, uh, which make me irreplaceable in their company. So that's kind of where I'm at with those two private clients that I'm working with. Then I have VIP days for sure. Like keep mm-hmm. those kind of overdoing a full VIP day, kind of overdoing any writing during that day for them. <laughs> I'm just doing strategy at this point and I won't give them more than 90 minutes. At this point, if I'm doing a VIP day, you do the writing. I'll show up and teach you what you need to know. Um, so those are what my VIP days are looking like right now. Uh, and I would I haven't sat down and run the percentages on this, by the way, but for this year yet, but I will. And the year's not over yet. But I would say my private clients are about um, 50% of my revenue and, and VIP days are the other. Oh, and my mastermind. Right. Okay. So let's just guesstimate that I'm making about 50% from private clients. I would say 25% from VIP days and 25% from my mastermind. Which, by the way, my mastermind launch looked so different this year. And I just want to briefly touch on that to say that my child wants animal crackers. Hold on. (laughs) Oh, guys, this is so sweet what happens when we're recording. Sometimes we have pets coming in. Sometimes we have children coming in. And Sage's child is so adorable. You you can't see him, but he's adorable. All right. So this mastermind launch was basically uh, completely different than last year's. So last year, speaking on stage, Niagara Falls launched a mastermind from the stage, had a multiple six figure launch, was so grateful for that. This year, I was coming off of the tail end of dealing with my anxiety, depression, the pandemic. So this year, I told I made a promise to myself. I was like, Either it has to feel good or I'm not doing it at all. Mm -hmm. And so the promise, the way I kept that promise to myself was to do an email only launch. No webinar, no nothing. Just Mm -hmm. put it out to my email list and do organic outreach. I'm not saying my email list is the only magical vehicle that converted (laughs) people into my mastermind. Um, it was also like personal relationships and reaching out to those people, offering for my past students to get a referral fee if they sent somebody over to me. Um, so those two, three things worked, right? Organic outreach, email only offer, uh, past students referring me. Mm-hmm. And I was happy. I hit my financial goal. It was much less than last year because I knew it was going to be much less. I know how this marketing works. Um, So 
that's where I got to at the end of this year. Now I'm positioned where I'm fully booked. I've been fully booked since August with my mastermind, my private clients, and my VIP days. I can still sell a couple here and there. I have one day a week where I'm available for them uh, three, three weeks out of the month. Now next year, doubling my revenue, right? That's now we're at the end of this year. Where am I going next year? Next year, I am launching a membership, much in the strain of a couple of different people. Um, And I'll just tell you the four ways I'm going to launch the mastermind, and I'll reference the people that I'm learning it from in case anybody else feels called to do this. Uh, The first way, I'm licensing one of my masterclasses to Mm -hmm. Iman Zabi's Terrain.io. They still have to approve me, but I know I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, Iman was on the podcast um, last year. So that's really cool how it's like come back full circle in a way. <laughs> yeah. So the second way that I am selling this membership, so that'll be like a funnel into the membership. The second way I'm going to sell it, I'm going to do Jenna Sword's beta launcher method. Never done it before. Just going to try it for funsies because I don't mind. <laughs> and it's easy for me somebody at my level in my business. I have all the right team members. I have all the right things to do it. Um, And it's honestly, she does make it really simple. I will say like, even if you don't have the team members yet, if you think having a team is within your strengths range, then you should definitely look at doing that with Jenna. Um, Number three, I am doing just a plain old webinar because I know they convert. Um, So that's the third way that I'm planning on doubling my revenue. The fourth way, affiliate partnership. I'm only doing mm-hmm. one uh, for Jenna. So mm-hmm. it's it's a slightly different product than the beta method, but um, really looking forward to that. So I think I'll easily double my revenue going this route. Uh, I may keep that one private, I probably will keep that one private client and um vip days when they're the right fit so that's that's where i'm headed Mm. wow okay so i love how you're diversifying um you know your income plan for next year and i love that they are so simple yet effective (laughs) thank you oh and i should mention i'm gonna keep the mastermind i i really am looking forward to relaunching that and it's gonna have a new name um which i can tell everybody it's going to be the biz womb where businesses are birthed and rebirthed Um, oh okay (laughs) yes because i just went through that rebirth right and i'm ready to share it with everyone and um the promise of the program is come home to yourself by working less and earning more Mm. love that thank you i'm very excited yeah i can I can tell and oh I just yeah I really appreciate the transparency that you've given us today Sage with the true ups and downs of what happens on this entrepreneurial journey but it's just amazing to see you come back with I wouldn't say full force because I wouldn't use the word force to describe you (laughs) but but full flow I suppose (laughs) 100% thank you for picking up on that it's right 
Yes. <laughs> I, I like changing my words as I go too. And it really makes a difference in how we show up. We acknowledge that we don't want to say things the same as everyone else. Yes, absolutely. So even I think it was in the green room when you said uh, you like feeding two, two birds with one seed. Because the original phrase is kill two birds with one stone, which is horrific. Um, yeah. And f- for me, I remember this just came out when I was teaching my podcast pitching students. I said, oh, yeah, you know, you can feed two birds with one scone. <laughs> I love that. That's so good, UK. We're from the UK, so I could Yeah. I feel like it's so perfect for you. Yeah, especially because I love my coppers. I mean, like, you guys can't see this, but I was showing Sage my brand new purchase of this beautiful mug. You can tell that it's not not quite uniform, but it has all the phases of the moon on it, and it's just just beautiful. So, yes, be two birds with one scone. (laughs) So good. So good. Ah, wonderful. So Sage, as we start wrapping up this conversation, um, for somebody who have probably have never had the luxury of thinking that they even deserve to have, you know, this time off to, you know, not only nurture themselves, but to nurture their business, what would you say is the simplest and most easeful way to get started no matter which stage of business you're in? Oh my gosh, stop waiting to reward yourself for the good work you're already doing. Um, That's the easiest way. Like there's so many books that reference this journey of waiting to get to the treasure, like Paulo Coelho talks about in his book, where you're like, okay, when I get to six figures, I'm going to take my family on a trip. Just go on the trip now. (laughs) Just figure it out now. Like, why do you need to get to a certain mark to have that reward? That is the easiest thing to do. In fact, I just recently built a success altar that was recommended to me by Rachel Rogers from We Should All Be Millionaires. Um, I was attending her business retreat and she had said, yeah, my therapist told me to build an altar for the successes I've already had in my life. And I was all over it because I was like, yep, that's the thing. So I have one in my closet now because I actually don't own a lot of clothes. Mm. So I cleared a shelf. So every day when I get ready, I look at the fact that I was born into a beautiful family because there's a picture of us, um, me with my parents, my sister. Um, I look at what else is on that altar gifts from my dad, like incredible relationship that I had with him until he passed away in 2015. I look at, um, of course, pictures of my children. Like that's an, like I made two human beings. Like what? (laughs) You made them. (laughs) I did that. Like if I don't celebrate that every day of my life, (laughs) I have missed the point. (laughs) And I am not the mommy mom type. Like I am not the one who ever thought she was going to necessarily have kids. So there's a lot of layers to why I should celebrate that because I'm not the one who was like, I was born to be a mom. Mm -hmm. On cue. Your brother has them. (laughs) Okay. He wants me to get them. I'll be right back. Okay. Sure. (laughs) Oh, you guys, this is just keeping it real, you know, because, um, yeah, many of my guests, I love when the, they are the walking embodiment of their work. And that means like letting go of the need to be perfect. Yeah, so build yourself a success alter, remind yourself of the things that you've already done. And you're like, 
90% of the way, like, you know, you're, what did you ask me? What was the question about? Cause I will be able to circle that comment. What do I do? Oh, clap. Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. Guys, guys. So I triple clap when normally we make a mistake, but you know, we're just, we're just going to keep this in. So let me just like circle back to the question kind of um, what is the, the easiest way to get started? And you mentioned that, you know, don't wait for the reward. And so uh, the success okay. alter comes into that. <laughs> so you will be 90% of the way there in terms of starting this path towards your own like we all have to come up with our own success journey right but you'll be 90% of the way to your success when you acknowledge the things that you've already done in your life that are already incredible and I guess the other 10% I mean I could put a few things into that 10% but one of them I'll put in there is don't compare yourself you are racing against yourself it's fun looking at data from your launch and saying oh, I got a higher dollar per lead than so-and-so. But the truth is, if you don't double that number for yourself, then you've already lost the race. So Mm. race against yourself when it comes to metrics and business, because if you try to race against everybody else, you've already lost. Mm. So true. What a lovely pearl of wisdom. Oh, thank you. <laughs> to round off with. So Sage, you have been an incredible guest today. So I know there's going to be plenty of listeners who are going to want to continue to connect with you. So where can they go to learn more about you, what you do, and to start an amazing conversation? Uh, thank you, love. So if you want to continue this conversation that we started today, Um, You can message me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm active on those. So DM me on any of of the social. Well, I guess I'm only on Facebook and Instagram. You can write me through my website. The the thing, though, that I was most excited about is uh, to give your audience a gift. Make hay. Oh, yes, please. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Who doesn't love a gift? (laughs) So um, I have the triple email open rates, which basically if you have ghosted your list, then this is definitely for you. But it's a series of three emails to reconnect with your email list and then be able to make offers to them. Mm. And I make it really simple for you. It's like copy, paste, and personalize these three templates. It will help you to triple your email open rates. It'll get you to scrub your list. That's like the secret behind the whole idea of this is like (laughs) you've got to re-engage with your list and clean your list up most likely Mm. um and so grab that at sagepolaris.com slash rebel ah thank you so much for personalizing it to us as well (laughs) yeah Okay, so lovelies, to connect with Sage and to grab her amazing gift, please do go to the show notes below. So if you're listening to this on the podcast app or if you're on Android, if you're on CastBox or another type of podcast app, (laughs) um, all you need to do is just like head to the show notes and you'll find all the links to connect with Sage. So Sage, before I let you go, because I know that your kitties (laughs) want you very soon, um, I'd love to ask you these two final questions. So number one, what makes you a quiet rebel? So a lot of people think that I am an extrovert because I speak on stages. Um, but actually, I'm definitely what they call an ambivert, mm. where I love being around people and I need my quiet time. So I think that's what makes me a quiet rebel is I found a way to still show up, speak and be in front of people 
And I'm really good at carving time out for myself. Even if I'm in a group of people, you might see me walk to a window and write in my journal. So Mm. really good at that. (laughs) Love that. Thank you. And one of my favorite questions to ask every guest is this. So guys, if you are a frequent listener, then you know what's happening next. But just in case it's the first episode you started to tune in and you picked a damn good one, when you hear the sound effect, Okay, so I feel like I'm revealing myself to your audience, but when I grew up in Vegas, I used to spray paint graffiti, but I was never brave enough to actually go out into the world and do it, so I just did it in my mom's (laughs) 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 And I feel like when it comes to art, like that made me a better writer. You know, one of the best books I've ever read in terms of making me a better writer is Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential because it's a form of art. Like he's an artist with food. I was an artist spray painting. I went to art school, but all of those experiences I feel like made me a better writer. So it kind of all ties back in together when you get to see the bigger picture of your life and think about it all. Wow, who would have thought? <laughs> I know, my secret, my name was Harass, in case you were wondering, which was my name backwards, H-A-R-A-S. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Well, um, I, I'm not going to lie, when I've seen graffiti before, I it does make me think like, wow, like this is on display for the world to see. So it takes a lot of confidence to be able to literally like put your art out there like that. So Totally. Yeah, but you you reserved it just for your mum, so that's <laughs> love it's a it. Quiet rebel in my backyard. Yes, <laughs> love it. Well, Sage, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today, having such an incredible conversation. Not just about taking time off and doubling your revenue, but really just kind of like opening the conversation of how we can really align ourselves with how we want to be, who we like want to let go of and just really honoring our personal flow. So thank you so much. Mm, my pleasure, Mike. Thank you for having me. And so my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Ah, oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Quiet Ripples podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.